Hello and welcome to the Global City Mission Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today we're talking with professor and long-term spiritual director, Randy Harris. How are you doing, Randy? Um, well, thank you. Right, thanks for joining us. So Randy's actually uh, an undergraduate professor of mine and was my spiritual director for years and possibly still is. Uh, and Randy, tell us a little bit about what you do here at Abilene Christian and sort of your role and, and vocation on both sides of working here at the university. Uh, well, first of all, I'm just a instructor for undergraduate students. So mm-hmm. I, I teach undergraduate uh, Bible and philosophy and theology and preaching classes. And I am also the spiritual director for the College of Biblical Studies, which means I serve as kind of spiritual guide or director to students or faculty who seek that. And I also work for the Cyber Institute, which is the church relations arm of the university, working with ministers and churches. So those are kind of the three hats I wear. Sure. Well, and I, you're a weird animal, at least in my life, in that... I don't know. I mean, spiritual direction is a ministry usually confined to the Catholic Church or mm-hmm. high church. Uh, but you are a lay monastic. Uh, would you refer to yourself as a monk? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think any self-respecting monk would look at me as a monk. Uh, <laughs> let, let's just say that many of the monastic values and disciplines I find sure. very uh very engaging, and um, I think the fact that I'm that I'm single and that I I practice high high levels of contemplation Mm -hmm. and and often visit hermits and monks and other assorted quiet folks like that. I've I've kind of got labeled as a monk without a monastery. (laughs) Right, you're you're entirely yeah. Uh, So I'd be curious. You've been doing this for a lot of years. You've done pulpit ministry. You've been involved in missions. You've been involved in instructing and teaching uh, ministers and training, both undergraduate and graduate. And through all of that, I've done a lot in terms of spiritual formation, spiritual direction. And I want specifically to talk about that element of your work, um, because I think a lot of times in ministry training, especially for missions, there is an emphasis on uh tips, tricks, and method, and effectiveness, and what works, sure. we don't always think about how to be a disciple that's worth reproducing, right. and how to form people with a kind of depth right. to do healthy, sustainable ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to me about that. What what even is spiritual formation for ministers? Is it different than for lay people? Uh, to, in some ways it is, and in other ways it's exactly the same. So I think there's a couple of different ways to think about it. One is before a minister even begins their ministry, I want to help them prepare for retirement. Okay. Because what happens is the minister's identity gets so wrapped up with his or her role Mm -hmm. that when they cease to be the preacher, they may not know who they are spiritually. Yeah. That's why it's somewhat different than it is for the typical lay person. Right. Uh, and so for me, a lot of spiritual formation with ministers has to do with helping them who they under, helping them understand who they are as a person of God that, that gets played out in their role, but it's not so wrapped up 
uh, in their role that they that if you take away that role, they won't know who they are as a right. as a person of God right. anymore. So the ministry is not the source of their identity. Correct. Yeah. Uh, because if if it becomes that, you just get jerked around in a lot of different sure ways by your own pathologies and the pathologies of other other people. Sure. The other way that I think about it that is more like this for for everybody and not just to ministers particularly is uh, spiritual formation is preparing you for you know not what. Yeah. And uh, unless you're a really unusual person, you know, there, there are going to be some deep valleys. Mm. And especially if you're a professional minister, there's there are going to be some really difficult times professionally or yeah. or personally. And then when you go to that well of of spiritual formation in the midst of that, the question is: Is there going to be water right there? Or is it going to be a dry well? Yeah. So. Um, the book The Black Swan was written a few years ago by uh, by a guy who does risk assessment, and um, you know he's basically making the argument that the most formative events in our lives are things that we never see coming. Right. And so, how do you prepare people to walk through events that are utterly unpredictable? Right. Uh, the death of a child. Yeah. The divorce, the collapse of the ministry, yep. moral pay, you know, you just kind of go down the list. And for me, spiritual formation is about, is, is about helping ministers have resources that are deep enough to sustain them through those times. Right. Yeah. It's well said. So I think one of the things that I run into a good bit is that oftentimes, especially in missions, church planning, church growth, that there is a real emphasis on prayer, but they almost exclusively mean intercessory prayer. Right. Praying for the work, praying for your teammates, praying for growth, mm-hmm. praying for God to you know intervene. And, and that's not bad. I get the sense that that is not the kind of formative discipline that you're talking about. Yeah, I think I think that's secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would expect that people who believed in God would intercede on behalf of, course, of, yeah, yeah. of the world and all sorts of people they, they care about. But uh, now I come more from the tradition that says prayer is primarily a way of listening mm. and that uh, you're, you're kind of sitting uh, with God trying to be available, trying to learn to pay attention uh, and trying to get to the point where you can learn to be so attentive to God in prayer that you can be attentive to God when you're not in prayer. Right. Which is kind of the big deal of the day, if you you know, if you can get to that uh, point. And um, uh, you know, Jesus is the model where you know I, I refer people to Luke four, five, and six, where in three chapters in a row, uh, Jesus goes off for prolonged times alone with God, and he's not just saying the Lord's prayer over and over and over. Sure, out there, it's a sort of being with. Uh, uh, God, and you know, if I were if I were going to kind of you know take a wild guess on the secret of Jesus' sinlessness, it's that he is so attuned, he's so attentive to God that he can truthfully say, "The Father and I are one." Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, I doubt we're going to quite get where Jesus got on that. And it could be he's got an ontological advantage. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the deal. It's a, sure. it's a form of contemplation. It's a form of attention. Right. A, a, a form of listening. Yeah. I guess two questions coming up for me. The first would be, uh, how do you form that? I mean, is, does everyone have equal access to becoming a contemplative? Is it a skill that you learn or are there different dispositions that respond to different, you know, paths of spiritual discipline? Yeah. Uh, I don't think everybody's wired exactly the same way. Uh, so the way I would say it is not everybody's called to be a contemplative, but everybody ought to have a contemplative dimension to their lives. Mm. And, uh, what, what balance on that looks like any particular life might vary from uh, person to person. I don't think of it in terms of skill. Uh, I do think of it in terms of practice. Mm. Um, it's something that you can get better at by by practicing. Mm. And it it I, I think maybe some people are, are more personally disposed to that way of spirituality. I mean, that's my experience. Is some are more disposed to it than others. Right. But we have to get rid of sort of some of the kind of um, common myths. You know, introverts are are better contemplative than extroverts. Well, that's that's just not true. Right. Uh, actually, extroverts uh, are have an easier time at contemplation because an introvert is an internal processor, and they're talking to themselves all the time. Right. You know, they're always conversing with their favorite person, which is themselves. Sure. And uh, if an extrovert, quiet mind is hard. Yeah. yeah. If an extrovert doesn't have anybody to talk to, they're actually kind of quiet. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure. and so they can, they can kind of, you know, pay attention to God. But I, I think, um, you know, I've described several different ways of loving God, of which the contemplative is one. And it may not be the primary way for everybody, but I think everybody needs to have a sure. contemplative life. So I think the second question for me that emerges from all of that is uh, – you know, for those who don't have access to a Randy Harris and are in the field, maybe as a missionary and what they have as their team or in an urban ministry setting that they don't really have a strong local support system. How do you proceed down that path? Because I think one of the first things, at least in my contemplative life, is getting over the desire to manipulate an experience. Right. Uh, but it's very hard to enter because it's not a technique. Right. So how do you learn it, you know, a practice that's not a technique and trying to dispose yourself to an experience without hoping you're going to have an experience? Right. Uh, how do you learn that in the field? Yeah, there's two ways. Uh, and um, you could read a book. Mm-hmm. And we now have kind of rich resources in terms of contemplative practices, mm-hmm. both both from the classical Christian tradition from the Desert Fathers, from the from the mystics, uh, but we also have a great deal of contemporary work that that will lead us into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not like the second part of the answer. Um, I don't think you can learn without a teacher. Sure. Uh, what you have to do is find someone for whom this, these practices are living realities. Sure. And uh, uh, let them uh, begin to. To teach you, yep. and uh, you know, for me, uh, after after I'd read and read and read and read and read, right. the, the big thing is now is going to different places 
in the country or in the world where these contemplative traditions are not just a theory, they're the way of life right. of, of a group of people. And you can learn things that way that you can't any other way. And it's a little bit difficult because contemplatives tend to be like on the quiet side, um, you know, to, to, to find those teachers, but they also tend to be very hospitable. And it, it takes a, it takes a bit of research and, you know, you don't particularly want to go to the, you know, contemplative institute in Joe's basement. You know, that, right. that's, that, that <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of stuff out there that's kind of hokum. Yeah. But, but, you know, there's these rich traditions that are embedded in, uh, monastic mm-hmm. communities and, um, a variety of spiritual heritages that you can, that you can learn from. Yeah, for those people who, because again, I think that, you know, I was just at a Benedictine monastery and the guy who was driving me back for the bus back to New York was asking me about my denominational background and the ministry we do. And he said, you know, we don't get a lot of Protestants here. And I laughed and I said, yeah, but you guys are the only ones that put up money to have hermitages. (laughs) Um, And I think that reality is true, that for many people that are in missions and ministry, Finding a teacher means leaving the denominational setting that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom or advice in terms of the apprehension about that, that I'm going to allow this person who maybe we don't have the exact same theological language and background, I'm going to allow them the space to direct me in the interior life? Right. That's anxiety-inducing for a number of people. Yeah. Do you have any words there? Uh well, I think I, I think I probably had some trepidation at the beginning. It, it, there, you know, you're sort of entering into the unknown. But uh, boy, prayer is for prayer is prayer is prayer is prayer, and uh, the theological differences really that aren't that important. You know, I want somebody who can teach me how to how to attend to God, how to pay attention and, and um, really, really listen. And so I think once you kind of just, you know, kind of pick up your courage and, and take that step and know the first time it may be uncomfortable and I don't know exactly what this is going to be like that, uh, again, the, the teachers and mentors I've had have been incredibly hospitable. They've had no interest in changing my religious heritage they've had they've had little interest in what my theology was um you know they we we were entering into the mysterious path of prayer together um and again i think i think i think you do want to stay within kind of recognizable christian you know traditions because you know there's there's some there's some wacky stuff out there yeah what would you say for those who you know, maybe are in the process of seeking direction at some point, but for now are trying to step into prayer. And their first response is, this is boring, this is not productive, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a lot of people's experiences. You're talking about solitude, you're talking about silence, right. they get there. Right. All they can think about is the ministry being left undone. Right. And going and trying to do something productive and right. meaningful and accomplishing something. What do you yeah. say to that? Uh, well, again, I, I think I've got Jesus on my side on this. You know, he's, he's got a rhythm of his ministry. He's with people and he's alone with God. He's with people and he's alone with God. And this can't be a chasing after the next spiritual high. And you cannot evaluate it in the short term. Hmm. Uh, I think that most people who have become 
serious practitioners of sitting contemplative prayer will tell you after they've done it for a number of years so that they're more patient, that they're less manipulative, um, that they're, they're more present. And uh, for missionaries or ministers of any kind, that's a pretty good payoff sure. because we're pretty compulsive um, people. Yeah. And again, the thing with Jesus is his ministry is relatively short, three years or so. Uh, but he seems to get a lot done, but he never seems to be in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Dallas Willard's kind of one of the Protestant spiritual masters. He, he says, you know, being, being relentless and removing hurry from your life is the spiritual discipline. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's one thing to say, do that. <laughs> you know, it's another thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to actually operationalize that. So for anyone listening that would say, I'm really captivated by this. I'm going to look into it. The first thing you mentioned was a book. Mm -hmm. Do you have a short list of things you'd recommend reading? Yeah. I I think it depends on kind of what the entry point is. I think, uh, if the whole kind of notion of, of spiritual disciplines, especially the more, um, passive disciplines is new to you than old book Richard Foster celebration of disciplines great place to start um, I think I think if the particular interest is contemplative prayer then the great entry point is Henry Nowen's way of the heart mm. so it's silent solitude and prayer and it's a very short book but at the end of it you think okay whatever that was I I want it sure and then you kind of move from that to a little bit more of a how-to uh, book. But that's that's one of the best entry points uh, that I know. Excellent. Uh, well, Randy, all of that's super great stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time today. So thanks for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and thank you for joining us today on the Global City Mission podcast. You can find out more about GCM at our website, globalcitymission.org, or you can check us out on our Facebook and Twitter.